Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Good evening and uh, welcome to New Zealand Sport Radio. Um, very special guest uh, this evening, in fact, two special guests. We've got the uh, head coach of the Hawks Bay Magpies and the assistant coach, Mark Ozich and uh, Josh Sims are joining us uh, this evening for a, a bit of a chat about what's been going on. First of all, Mark, we'll start with you. Great to have you on board. How's lockdown been? Yeah, great to be here, uh, Steve and Paul. Um, yeah, lockdown's been interesting. Um, so, um, you know, I've been you know, coaching rugby and whatnot, and it's been a really busy time. And then all of a sudden it's uh, changed, and um, my wife's a nurse. So I've been at home with the three three kids, um, uh, year, year eight, year six, and year three. And um, yeah, it's just been pretty interesting in, in the sense that, um, you know, we talked about it the other day. I'm not very good at year seven or year eight maths, so I've been struggling with a bit of that. Um, but I have really enjoyed being back with the kids and just um, – actually supporting my wife and what she's doing and being at home and looking after the kids and, um, you know, tidying up and, you know, the shoes on the other foot somewhat. So um, uh, I've actually really enjoyed it, but uh, it's getting to a point now, I think, where I'll be looking forward to, to going back to work, I think. And, and Josh, Josh, for yourself? Yeah, you know, we um, we made the call of lockdown to go down to um, my father-in-law's dairy farm. So, uh we spent this part of five weeks down there milking cows and um, kids are going around and enjoying themselves out, uh, out there. So as a joys of, of working a bit remotely, we could do that. Um, so we didn't get too much cabin fever for the first five weeks, but um, now we're back in the bay now and uh, looking forward to hopefully getting out so we can go back and yell at each other in the office instead of down the phone. So. Mm. Um, just, just so quickly, everybody's got a story, I suppose, when it comes to the national game. For you, Mark, where did your story start? I don't know. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's slow down. We've got to, we've we've seen it all on all on the all on the uh, the, the, the the socials. These people on farms have been using all sorts of different equipment for, for for training. Did you were you pulling tractors or lifting sheep or doing any of that kind of stuff to to, to keep working out? No, no. I'm just trying to keep. I'm just trying to keep myself alive down there um, without my father-in-law and mother-in-law telling me I've done it wrong. Um, can't say I'm too much of a farmer, to be honest. Uh, my wife and my kids do um, a better job than I do. But, no, I, learned, I enjoyed it. Um, can't say there's too much. We did a bit, of, did a bit of walking up a few hills and a bit out the bits and pieces. But, um, you know, the father-in-law don't let me do anything too strenuous, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't have a backyard gym like Pony Rugged Stones does. So. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and that that's a that's a big gym. I know. I've probably seen a lot of uh, uh, Mark's tricks from his playing days when he was at uh, at Watermatter. But like I say, everybody's got a bit of a bit of a story. Mark. I mean, so this passion with the game it obviously started at a at a young age. Yeah. yeah. Look, I, I just um when I was growing up, I played everything and anything that was going. And um, and rugby was part of it. So like going back to primary school and being barefoot and going to the tournaments and um, just running around and, and chasing chasing the footy and not really knowing what's going on and the whole team hitting a ruck or a mall and 
those were the good old days. Um, so that goes right back into primary school and um, out west. Um, so that's really where I really found the the passion for for footy. Um, but in amongst it all, mate, I, I dabbled in a whole lot of different sports across everything, from cricket to soccer to basketball. It's just the way it was where we grew up. Everyone was just playing sport and out on the street trying to find someone to play um, some sort of game with. And, um, yeah, really didn't start taking footy seriously till about high school when I got into sort of sixth form back in the day. Um, but, yeah, man, I've been – I just love sport, really, a passion for sport and rugby primarily. And your stories are both pretty similar, obviously, from Liston to, to Waitamata, I think it was. at Liston or, or Waitakere? Waitaki College, yeah, yeah. To, and, yeah. and yourself, and yourself, Josh. I know your uh, your your dad was obviously in, involved with, with with Auckland rugby and and the family as well. So was that just a similar progression as well? Yeah, well, dad went to we moved to Palmerston North in 1987 when he became the headmaster of Palmy Boys, um, and so I started playing rugby for high school old boys uh, in Palmerston North when I was a little fella. Um, but the, the passion for the game really is Merton Road, you know, rolling up and down the hill at, um, at the University Rugby Club um, with, you know, guys like Dennis, you know, Dennis Thorne and, and my father and other other, John Hart and Graham Henry and co like that at, at, at University Rugby Club in the early 80s. Um, so I grew up with those guys around and, and when I started playing rugby in Palms and North, there was a bit of a disconnect with obviously Auckland rugby, but um, Dad obviously went after he finished with um, Palmerston Boys High, I went back to Auckland Rugby and, and, and I went back to Auckland from there, basically. But, um, yeah, that, that, was the, that was the connection. Auckland Grammar, Dad was coaching in the, in the early 80s and there were lots of, uh, lots of guys I remember from those days, Matthew Ridge and Fox and people like that. So Now, because Paul's wearing that British Lions jersey this evening, there's, is there a little bit of a family tie-up, a, a bit of a story, the 1977 Lions that were knocked over by the New Zealand universities? Is, yeah, is there a bit of a story? Is there a every, story behind that? Every night my father gets a new delivery from Fine Wines Online and they get about a half, half a bottle or two bottles deep, he'll send me the, the uh, full unedited version of the New Zealand universities beating the Lions in 1977. Um, and I get to send that, which is a different game. Um but, uh, yeah, it's fair to say he played the game a bit better than I did, to be fair. Um, but certainly a different game. And, uh, yeah, I think probably his, his crowning glory beating them in, in Lancaster Park in, in, the, in, the, in the late 70s. Yeah, I think I saw some old footage on Facebook a, a couple of weeks ago, and it was a very, very convincing win, you've got to say. So I, I wonder if he still dines on, out on that. Of course he does. And, of yeah, course, Mark... Of course, Mark, a lot of people won't know that you've played international rugby oh, as, as, as well. Um, can you t- tell us a little bit about that journey? Oh, mate, it's the wider matter connection. So um, I was just playing club footy for wider matter and the, the wider matter premier coach back then was a guy called Dick Boric and he went off and coached Croatia. And um, really, I was in my mid-20s or early 20s, not really doing much. Um, not really making any rep teams, and he offered me an opportunity to go and travel and play footy. Um, so, yeah, basically played a few internationals for them and went on the, the seventh circuit with um, with the Croats and did a bit of travel for a few years and had a hell of a good time. And we, yeah. so, and so, we, so Croatia, that's like, obviously not Six Nations. The next level down, you've got what, Georgia, Romania, etc. and Croatia's the yeah. level below that? Yeah, so we played games against um, Switzerland and um, Slovenia, um, countries like that. Um, yeah, so it was interesting. It was pretty. It was run on a, a pretty low budget, so um, but it was good. It was good travel and good times. So yeah. playing in some some pretty big stadiums, but sometimes not that big a crowd. <laughs> yeah, not not too many people would come out, and they're all football crazy. You know, they all loved. You know the, the the round the round soccer ball, and so um, you'd go to to play a test match against Slovenia at home, and uh, you'd be playing in Zagreb, and there might be four hundred people there. It's pretty cool. Yeah, hard case. And, um, and before you sort of got into coaching, obviously some great great memories at the Water Matter Club. We all know how tough it is to win uh, a Gallagher Shield, but two thousand and three would have been a special year. 
Yeah, I think um, you know it's probably one of you know the memories that stand stands out the most. Um, yeah, someone put a, a picture up of the I think it was a 2002, the year before uh, we won it. We had the final against Ponsonby, and um, like Ponsonby had Carlos, Sam Tuitapo, guys like that playing, and we had guys like Sioni Lawaki and Lee Stensness. Um, guys like that playing and man it was just such a, a good time and um, yeah, to finally win a Gallo Shield in 2003 with those guys um, was was pretty cool yeah, no, no, Nick, Nick White sweet Nick White swears to me that last uh, mall that they uh, were driving to the line that he actually got the ball yeah, on the line but, but the referee reckons that he, he wasn't there but I guess that's footy at the end of the day but it would have left you a, a conversion attempt mid 22 and uh, goalposts to have uh, to have knocked over so uh, mm-hmm. yeah that would have been interesting as well and from the other side Josh I, which club were you affiliated to in in Auckland? Oh when I was in Palmerston North I was high school old boys um, and we won a Hankin Shield as it was back then in, early, in 2000 um, and then I went teaching at uh, Tarama Boys actually Joe Schmidt got me a job uh, Tarama Boys, my first my first teaching job, and so I played for um, Tarama Sports. Uh, and I was lucky in my first year we won a championship, a Baywide Championship um, uh, that year, which must have been 2003, which I think was probably the same time that Schmidty and Vern took the shield off Auckland, um, which you know was a, the height of Bay Pinny Rugby and the pomp of during that time. There's some fantastic guys playing there. Um, you know, with Senio and Cashmore and Co. So um, yeah, that that was those are my two clubs. And um, when I went to Auckland, uh, I was a Grandma Carlton boy when I first played in in 1986. Um, and then I did a bit of work for Pacaranga when I was at St Kent's. But um, Oz, Ozo got me out to coach Waitemata for a year, so I got to say probably Waitemata be the club now. <laughs> oh great! Oh, that's that, that that's good. That's good to hear. And and obviously, while you were during your sort of amateur career, work-wise, Mark, what what were you doing for for a job teaching? Yeah, so pretty much, um, I started teaching. I think it was two thousand and one at Waitakere College, and basically the coaching's run alongside that the whole way through. Um, I taught and I coached, and that's what you did. Um, and I was just doing yeah teaching, coaching and playing uh, for a number of years and those sort of two pathways went side by side really. Um, I've always been interested in coaching and uh, high performance and um, interested in, you know, how to bring a team together and what's the difference between, you know, a, a great team and a good team and so I've always been curious around sport and performance. Um, so it's just a natural thing to fall into when People ask you to coach a team and you just did it. Um, and it just sort of grew from there, really, the coaching out of, um, yeah, just being involved with schoolboys uh, teams and enjoyed it. So just kept it going, really. We've had a lot of a lot of teachers have also been coaches. I mean, um, wasn't, I mean Graham Henry was a teacher, wasn't he? And some of the English um, head coaches have been, have been teachers as well. What do you think is the difference between teaching and coaching as to how you approach sort of communi- communicating with pupils versus players. Sorry, that's a bit heavy. Yep. Yeah, no, you're right. Do you want to answer it, Josh, or me? Because we probably say the same thing. Yeah, I don't think there's any difference, to be honest. Um, players are just big kids. You know, the reality is that we're all, we're all growing up men. I don't think any, any sub-30-year-old men know how to make decisions properly. So, um yeah, really, nothing different. So I think the whole thing's based around relationships. If you want to have a strong relationship or build a relationship with a player or a student or even a work colleague, that's the way you're going to get the best out of each other. Um, and it's a cooperative act, right? Learning is how two people or now so much a device and a person, but two people interact to get the best out of what they need and, and to learn. So really that's coaching and teaching are the same thing, I think. I don't know if Ozzo disagrees, but... I always, I always felt that if you got into coaching sort of younger kids, uh, secondary school kids, or even the under 21 level, it was a great area to sort of critique your own skills and learn a bit about yourself. You'd agree with that, Mark? Yeah, I think so. Like the kids just know if you're if you're if you're a bullshitter, 
or uh, if you you say something and you don't back it up, um, or you hold them to a certain set of standards, but you live in a different set of standards and you contradict, man, the kids just sniff it out and um, treat you as such. And so Simsy is bang on. It's relationships, it's trust, it's how you how you talk to people, um, you know, the way they see you, and um, if you are preaching or coaching or living a certain way and you expect them to, uh, uh, is that reflected in what you're doing? Um, so um, it's real simple, eh? I think, like, you know, I think the kids uh, have, the ones that I've taught, particularly through Waitakere College and Liston and Calston Boys, um, but you got the best out of them when they trusted you and they knew you were there for them. Um, and you might not have been the best coach technically and tactically back then, but the kids really appreciated you and um, your time and that, and they played for you and each other. And so those are really good, you know, foundation um, elements, I think, to, to towards your coaching, really. It's pretty simple. You say it's simple. Mm. I remember listening to one of the players who moved from, uh, from the Blues down to the Highlanders. I think can't it's Vekatar or, or, or Nadolo. But one of the things they said that they were enjoying their rugby down in Highlanders because they were being told what they could do, not just what they couldn't do, if you see what I mean. So that, that positive reinforcement rather than that kind of, you need to work on this, you need to work on this, you need to work on that. How do you balance that kind of building up the confidence in the player, but also making sure they do work on their work ops? You want to go, Sophie? You go. You're leaving that for me, are you? Um, yeah. Look, I guess it's trust, eh? So... Ultimately, no one's going to put themselves out there on the line or really put themselves out there to learn or to make mistakes because learning is making mistakes and doing things wrong so that you learn that that's the wrong thing to do. And like I've had my son today, took my kids out for a walk and my four-year-old decided he was confident enough to, just to dart across the road. Now, part of that is teaching him to learn that's not the right thing to do and, and you've got to be able to put people in those situations to say that's not right and it's the same with coaching so if they get skills wrong it's about saying shit that is wrong that's not what we do it's not how we do it but here's the way we do it this is how we learn this is where we grow from and, and look classic thing that I think has been real prevalent in I guess the past 20 years maybe without success in the, in the Auckland area of 1.5 million people has been because there's so many talented young people there, uh, it doesn't take much the, the wrong environment or the wrong educational process for someone to go, shit, that's not the way I, I learn, that's not the way I am. And I guess the joy of going to the Highlanders or going down south, and Ozzo and I have both been down there, you've got to work with what you've got. So you've got to learn the learning styles and the way you interact with people has to be married to the players you have. Um, and that's the problem with big populace. You get into a coaching situation where you say to the players, learn the way I teach or don't learn. Um, if you've got 60,000 people and you've only got 30 people to pick from or 40 people to pick from, you've got to teach them the way they, they're going to learn. So yeah. it comes it a little bit comes from necessity, but I think it teaches probably the, the better coaching style. Yeah. Yeah. And the only thing I'd add to that is, that whole thing around the trust, and the only example I'd give is um, around that if players go out and follow some instinctual thing um, and they try and execute and it doesn't come off, they know that when they come into the change room, you're going to have the conversation, but you're not going to peel the skin off their face, and they know that you're going to support them and help them get better, and you know, you know, know, it's not going to be a mocking thing or a put-down thing or a belittling thing or a stripping-down thing, um, and I think having the ability to understand those moments um, is pretty crucial. Mike, before you, before you got to, to Hawke's Bay or to Hastings, you did a stint down in Southland as well as a, an assistant as well? Yep, yep. So um, I went down to, to Southland Boys as a deputy principal and um, I was just yeah, down there coaching the first 15 and just doing my job and uh, Dave Henderson just happened to come to a few trainings and got talking to him and the way it worked is he offered me an assistant job with him um, 
so it was an opportunity that I really couldn't pass up and it sort of uh, whet my appetite for that sort of high performance space. Um, I certainly was out of my depth as a beginning coach when you had guys like Robbie Robinson and uh, Whopper and Elliot Dixon and Josh Bicuous and guys like that playing at that time for Southland. Um, but yeah, I had, a, I had a really great time there. Really good environment. Loved every minute of that and um, sort of got me into that. What do I want to do? Do I want to coach or do I want to be a deputy principal or a headmaster? And um, yeah, so coming up to, to Hastings Boys was a director of rugby role. And I thought, oh, well, now's the time like to, to have a go and just focus on the coaching. So I thought the schoolboy pathway with a Super 8 school would be good to, to one, get a bit closer to family, but two, to really focus on the coaching um, element. Um, and, yeah, the rest is sort of history. Yeah. During, during that period, Josh, what, what were you doing during that time? Yeah, I, um, I left St. Kent's in 13, um, Ozzo and uh, Ian Baldwin at the time South, at Southland Boys, we created a position at the hostel um, down at Southland Boys, so I was going to come down and coach with Ozzo at Southland. Um, so after St. Kent's, I went down there and uh, I did six months, eight months there and, and um, things didn't quite work out the way it was supposed to work out. Um, coaching staff rolled over at Southland. Um, uh, the, the hostel role didn't quite pan out, so we, we actually moved back to Wellington, um, the family, and I ended up coaching Warrior Bush in the Heartland Championship for two years um, as a head coach, which was a real good place to cut my teeth as far as understanding um, the head coaching role in a, in a, in a, in a micro environment, in a smaller environment, um, and, and getting engagement, particularly from a, a rural community, which was really interesting. Um, and really enjoyed the Heartland Championship. I mean, playing in Greymouth and playing in Westport and playing in Rotoria and, and uh, all the wonderful places the Heartland Championship takes you. And, and I really enjoyed it, actually. It was two really cool years um, of doing that there with those guys. And and, 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 uh, and, and I moved to – I ended up moving to Marston and, and uh, living there for a period of time. Um, and then, obviously, the back end of 2017 when Oz – uh, moved from Hastings boys he had a hole to fill and said I've got to leave Hastings with about six or eight games to go um, can you take fill that hole for me while I go and take um, Hawks Bay and I thought oh, well give me the keys to a Rolls Royce that'll be easy to drive um, and uh, that, that, that team was on autopilot by that stage and with Tafai and, and Ozo they were off to, to a national championship in 2017 so that, that's what I did in between there you know, uh, the Hawks Bay's always had a, a, a rich history of some really good young kids. The, the, the Ross Shield down there, I'm not too sure if that's still um, up and running running these days, but you see some great under-15s come out of there. But you, you you think of Hawks Bay, and sometimes you think more of, of Napier boys as opposed to Hastings. Uh, listen, Hastings, their um, success in the last few years has is, is been quite incredible. Is that due to the, the academy and, and a buy-in from all the kids that come to Hawks Bay, to uh, Hastings, beg your pardon? Yeah, I think um, they've always had talent in the, in the school from what I can understand and looking back at the players that have been there. And I think um, like Rob Sturch, the headmaster, and Tafai and myself when I was there, um, just putting a bit of structure around what the academy looked like and what we're trying to achieve with the, the young players through year nine and ten and uh, just bringing a focus to fundamentals and skills and what we what we wanted it to look like and then and then putting some parameters around education and expectations around how they present and attendance um, knowing that the correlation between attendance and NCA uh, you know, are strongly linked. So if you attend school, you generally are going to get NCA level one, two, and three. So um, I guess it was the the bringing of the sort of three pieces there in terms of um, the leaders of that program, and then the the talent, the kids are there. Like there's so much talent um, within Hawks Bay. So um, yeah, I don't know if it's the climate or what, but they they just out playing games year-round, whether it be volleyball, touch, basketball, volleyball, cricket, just the kids here are so um, 
skillful with their hands and got great dexterity. Um, I just couldn't believe it when I went to a seven. When I first got here, I went to a sevens tournament and uh, I watched them play. And we hadn't really started the rugby program as such, but I went and uh, Hastings boys played in the local comp and there were like Lincoln McClutchy and Danny Tuala and Falau Fakatava and Devin Flanders and Keanu Kiridu Symes. Uh, they were all out there playing and I knew, I didn't know these kids. I just saw them and I, I think I rang Simsy on the way home and I said, mate, you just wouldn't believe the skill sets that I've just seen from these kids. It's unreal. And they're not big humans. They're not big in terms of size and stature, but um, skill and speed and agility. I was just um, going, wow, they could really do something here with these guys. And, um, yeah, they seem to be just kicking on. The talent's there within the bay, which is, you know, really good for us. And you've both, both been involved with, with the school-age uh, kids. How important is it for them to be that multidiscipline uh, and for the development, trying out different sports? Yeah, leave that one on me. I was like, oh, I think hugely. Yeah, I think it's I think it's very important. I mean, there is there are the what I call the outliers, but there are those that just say oh, I'm going to be this, and it, it, it is hugely dependent on their mindset. Um, you know, your Tiger Woods, I'm going to be the best golfer in the world, and this is what I'm going to do. Uh, there's, there's a, and tennis brings a few of those as well, but they're very much different things. I mean, for me, there's trying and playing different sports, particularly learning from different environments. I mean, I spend a lot of my coaching looking at what different team, different sports teams, different environments, different things bring to that and um, bring to the table. It's not just, I'm a, I guess I wouldn't call myself traditionally a rugby head. Um, most of my coaching early days was actually cricket. Um, and that's credit for me. That's one of the more difficult games to coach because it's an incredibly individualistic um, game uh, based around a team environment. Comes to my son who wants an interview. Can you get? Can you go? No. Yeah, take that. Go. We've got a golf game on my phone that he really likes wasting all my money on. So <laughs> Yeah, you, you 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 never you never you leave your uh, your iPhone with grandkids or younger children. That's ab- absolute absolutely fatal. We'll move forward a little bit to obviously uh, to to Hawks Bay. As we as we all know, when you go when you become the coaches of a of a, of a regional team or a, a provincial team, there's a, a lot of expectation, and it takes a while for the local supporters to to warm to you. Did you have any challenges when you first moved into that role? I can see a rice smile already coming on Mark's face, so you can answer it. Go on. Yes. Oh, look, I think the, I mean, the biggest pressure, I think, for, and I'll probably speak for Josh, is the, like, you always know that, and it's there, and it's part of it, and you choose, like, we have a choice. We don't have to be coaches of the Magpies, right? We've chosen to be there, so you can't moan about um, expectation and the public and that, so... There's a few things I'd, I'd probably say there. Um, it was our choice to get in that space. Um, there's a lot of self-doubt because both Josh and I, we're not ex-rugby players, nor do we play for the All Blacks. We didn't play Super Rugby. And so straight away, someone that comes in into a room that has done that, they get the respect and the admiration because of what they've done um, in the past. And it might not be, they might not be a good coach, but... Naturally, there's that, okay, this guy's done this in the game and whatever, whatever. And, you know, we certainly came into that space and we can't lean on that. We can't have that to prop up our um, reputation. So but it's been a real thing in the forefront of our mind was to engage with community, engage with clubs, um, talk to people, be transparent, not hide and um, lie and manipulate and deceive and blame. You know, if we win or we lose, we win and we lose because we coach the way we coach and that's it, you know, and we play the way we play. And that's kind of been our mindset and how we've uh, gone about this whole thing. And so um, I think the community have really, uh, well, I feel they've really embraced us. And when we haven't performed well, um, you know, we get the the banging on the window in the box. <laughs> There's been a couple of games where the, the punters have turned around and banged on the window and given it the big <laughs> boo to you guys, you know. 
And and then by the same token, when the guys lay it on the line and they lose a lose a tight one, they're like, yeah, man, that's good. We can see the passion in your team, and they they're, they're there. And so, mate, you just embrace those ups and downs, and and just be who you are, and don't try and be anything you're not, and just love what you're doing because, you know, you might not be there for for too long, you know. So, um, okay. yeah. I'm going to end the We've got a great rugby public in Hawke's Bay. I have to tell you a story, and this sums up Ozzo pretty well. Against Northland last in 2018, Northland came out absolutely rampant. Rene Ranger and Wright and a number of others, and, and Dan, and I think it was Dan Hawkins kicking goals, couldn't miss. I think we were 30-something, 15 down at half time, and we'd learned tries from everywhere. And we're coming down the stairs at McLean Park, and uh, everyone's given us is given us a chirp, and the one guy turns around and says, "Fix your effing defence. What are you doing?" And the head coach turned around and pointed at me and said, "He's the defence coach." <laughs> <laughs> That's such a lie. Thankfully, that story ended relatively well. We actually came back in the second half and won. But uh, that's that's our rugby rugby public. They're fantastic. Yeah. We're passionate. We have the best crowds in the competition. Yeah, we do. Um, and we're incredibly well supported. So, you know, we're going to give a product and we're going to produce stuff that they deserve. So, you know, that's part of the players and, and our our responsibility to them. So, you, oh, you, Mark, you weren't tempted to grab Mark, him and up. say, "Look, come into this, come into the sheds. You tell them how to defend, and uh, <laughs> get it, get him to do the, the halftime talk." <laughs> Mark, Mark, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I'll have a word to my whanau that was banging on the window, mate, and tell them to stop doing that. Um, uh, the same so guys there. The same guys every game. Uh, <laughs> I, um, we, we had Dale McLeod on last week, who's the head coach of uh, of Southland, and I asked him, I, I said to him, a club, a provincial team is only as strong as your club competition. When you first looked at the Hawks Bay club competition. What did you see? Um, well, I think the club, the club footy was maybe it was a couple of couple of two two or three teams who who had players and had numbers, and then there were the rest. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, well, I think it was a, an area of growth that we recognised that we needed to, to to grow that part of the game and engage with the clubs and uh, like. We ran with the philosophy that if you wanted to be a magpie or play for the magpies, you had to come and play club rugby in the Bay. So we weren't going to go and grab players out of Auckland club rugby, um, you know, the the week before the Gallagher Shield final and bring them and sign them to play for the magpies. Um, so if anyone wanted to come to the Bay and we brought in a number of guys, they played club footy and we gave them opportunity like everybody else and they had to be better improve themselves um, and so that was our challenge was to engage with the rugby community in terms of the club footy and try and bring players and uh, a willingness to compete for contracts and play for the magpies um, so that was probably you know two or three years of, of hard work and a guy like Josh Kaifer comes to mind I don't know if you know Josh Kaifer but um, he played for Auckland he came out of Onehunga High School and uh, we offered him an opportunity to come down here. And he's been down here for three years now. He's finished his engineering degree and he's working for an engineering company um, locally. Um, he's got a, a partner here from the Bay and he's having a, their first babies expected in July. It's a real success story um, of how it can work, you know, and he's got the respect of his peers and the community and he goes out there and plays and he's, he's one of the, the Hawks Bay boys, and he bought into that. And so that's what we were really keen to do. We didn't want the guy to come in for a couple of months and then go, and I just don't think there was a connection with the clubs and with people if we were doing that. So, um, so in, in amongst it, there was a few challenges, but that's kind of where we sunk our teeth into in the first few years. I think also there's no there's no secret in New Zealand rugby that club footy's struggling. Um, I've been around enough club footy around the place. Numbers are, are difficult to come by, and it's just the nature of human beings. So if we just said that's the club's problem, 
um, not ours. We'd fall by the wayside um, because we just wouldn't have those players that we needed to be competitive. Uh, and every provincial team needs players 23, 24 to 44. Um and so if we just said we had 20 and that's what we needed and I'll bugger you clubs, it was going to be a problem. So we've got to help the clubs find players and we've got to help them find depth and we've got to help them develop that. Otherwise, we're not going to be successful. So we really did take that as, a, as one of our big opportunities. And, and Hawke's Bay Rugby, the club rugby is incredibly diverse, you know, from, from the Waipakarau boys um, you know, farmer boys through to uh, Tamatia boys and, and, you know, right across the region. Very, very different club rugby styles um, and clubs. So embracing that was pretty important. As, as two guys who have been involved in your, your schoolboy rugby, club rugby, and, and also now, uh, and also the um, provincial rugby, one of the things that strikes me is that you have the clubs dealing with the juniors. They then disappear for high school. And the problem then is they lose their connection with their club and getting them back into the clubs is the is a difficult piece. Is there perhaps a, a restructure around or, or marrying clubs with high schools or keeping the high, keeping the club game going through those high school years? Would that be an answer, do you think, to keep players in uh, in the clubs? Yeah, that's. I've been lucky to be a club development officer for a few years and I know that clubs think that they will administer the game better than... than schools will um and in some instances they probably will um but in other instances that the, the issue is coaching um and the issue is, is the administration of the game and it's incredibly difficult to really pinpoint that i know there's two structures that you know we keep all our rugby boys in club and, and obviously schools just stick to education um but look i i, I can't I, whether that's changing or not i don't know i was lucky i grew up at a, at a high school, and I had Lazar Vukovic, who was playing for Manitou AFC, taught me PE, and he was playing for Manitou AFC. But a guy, Paul Gibbs, who was teaching me maths, and he was playing for Central Districts of Cricket. But a guy, Joe Schmidt, who taught me English, and he was playing for Manitou Rugby. Um, but a guy, Peter O'Sullivan, who taught me for health, he won the coast to coast. Um, you can't find that in the community these days to take in clubs, you just can't find it. That, Parents have the time to an extent, but to have coaches of that state, high schools have them. Um, but as far as administering the game, there is a, is a huge problem. There's two massive drop-offs. But I, I believe it's a societal thing more than it's a rugby thing. Um, and, and that's where we've got to wrap our heads around it as a society. Is it are teams and being part of a team that important anymore to young people? Probably not, not as much as it used to be. And so that's not really rugby's issue. It's all sports, um, you know, and how do we fix that? I don't know. I don't know whether whether there is a way of, of administering it from a club sense or administering it from a, just a school sense. But it's a, it's a frightening thing because the game, as we know, it changes every four to five years. It's, it's completely changed. And it comes really down to the, the generations are so much faster. You know, we've had generation X, Y, Z, you know, the whole way through and, Three more years' time with technology, all of them, all of those kids want something completely different to what they did now. So if we don't move with them, I guess we're in trouble. Well, like a, a question for yourself. Uh, at the end of 2017, you came out of a, a real tough year with Hawks Bay yourself and Craig Philpot. Were you involved with with Craig that year? Um, but what was what was your mindset sort of coming out of out, out of that year? And it was a very very tough year. A lot of injuries for the Magpies. That year, and of course, everything's result results based. What were your What were your thoughts? Um, well, well, I mean, the challenge the challenge was there, and um, I can remember I can remember going to a um, uh, a coaches conference, or uh, there was a coaches conference, and uh, Josh was there, and we are two school teachers, and I'd just taken on the head coach job, and one of the coaches. Uh, leaned across the table at dinner and said, basically, who do you think you are? No schoolboy coaches can come out of schoolboy coaching and be successful. And, um, like, the mindset from there was we, we just, like I sort of alluded to, we just got to either either you, you put up and you, you take on the, the opportunity and the reins and you do it your way and you succeed or you fail, but you do it 
the way you believe it should be done. And so, um, I mean, that was the that was the mindset was to take the challenge and uh, surround ourselves with good people, uh, do it with the right integrity and the right intent. And if you make a mistake, I think people can forgive you if you make a mistake or you don't quite know um, everything because your intentions are good and our intentions have always been good with our players and with our community and um, and we haven't always got it right all the time. And, and in amongst that, the relationships that Josh sort of alluded to, like I learned so much from the players. Like Ehiah West and, 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 and Bucky and Ash Dixon and those guys, Gareth Evans, they've taught me more about the game than, than anybody. The players have taught me. All the little, little bits of detail that I might not have known because I haven't played at that high level. And I accepted that and I worked with those guys as we did with the coaching staff and we grew together. And that's been the whole transparency of the whole thing. And yep, Josh and I have got skills in certain areas around planning and man management um, and communication and how we treat people. Um, so we bring a skill set to, to what we're doing. And then the rest of it, we have worked with the people that we've got to, to help get to where we are right now. And, and so that was, that was really the acceptance of, of the challenge. And, um, and the way you go about it, I think, you know, we never tried to, to, to pretend we were something we're not. We were just ourselves. And, and the bits that we, we didn't know or um, we failed in, the players were really forgiving and really helpful. And I'm forever grateful for that, you know, because they didn't have to do that, but they did. And so um, I think that's sort of built in um, – you know, that trust with our group is there and we've slowly gotten a little bit better and a little bit better as the years have gone on. And, um, you know, Josh and I got so much time and admiration for our guys. There's nothing we wouldn't do for them. So um, that's kind of how it's all sort of evolved. And there's nothing magic in that. And there's nothing amazing. It's just been hard work. And, um, yeah, being honest to what we're about. Yeah, as I had said on the, the head, I think when I came on board and – 2018, we looked at a board of contracted players, and I think we had seven um, who were contracted after the 2017 season, and the rest were up in the air whether they were going to stay or go or where we were going to get them from. I think we turned, turned 2020, we came in and we looked at our board, and we had 28 who all want to stay or want to play. So, it sort of reflected in that relationship side of things. I mean, you've got it's such a macho environment, rugby, and Part of being macho is not admitting you're wrong. It's a, it's a stupid thing that we, you know, we men do, but rugby men do worse. Um, so we can, if we can role model the fact, oh, shit, I got that wrong within a meeting or within a training or within whatever, you're not showing weakness. If you're showing a bit of strength to say, I'm going to correct that and we'll get it better next week. Um, Mark's right, that the, the bullshit gets sniffed really quickly. If you stand up in front of a room of, a whole lot of professional rugby players and you try and fumble your way through something instead of going, actually, I don't know that. I'll find it out and this is what we'll do. Um, you know, so I think that's reflected in the in the board of players, to be honest. We, we actually had a bloody good team this year. I hope we get on the field. I, I, um, listened, to, I listened to my colleague, Paul, today, who had a guy from Analytics uh, game line on and today he spoke in his interview about how important it was having the right team together and when you came into 2018 you obviously brought a, a scrum coach who we've been privileged enough to have interviewed or, or already how how important was that to you both I'll, Josh I'll go to you for that yeah I, I, the interesting I had defense and forwards as my portfolio in 2018 um and I was at scrum line out uh and defense of you know all of those things individually are reasonably big portfolios um and I nearly had a heart attack um, in 11 games. I got to the end of the season, I was about 200 kilos, um, and my eyes were square, and I thought, I can't, this is unsustainable. So um, I was lucky I had Ben May and Ash Dixon, obviously in the scrum sense, but particularly uh, Ben May in my first year in 2018, and, and Michael Allison and Gareth Evans and Tom Parsons with the line-out in, in 2018 as well. So... There's a bit of help in that space, but I just couldn't juggle all the balls without dropping one each week. So, yeah, 
Ozo and I, particularly Ozo, knew that to get the best out of our D, we needed a little bit of a little bit of help. And Ozo got had, had, had Jason Schumacher last year with the backs. Um, but obviously, I, bringing Francisco on as a scrum coach was pretty important to lighten that load. Um, and I and I've never been a scrum professor to be honest. And he genuinely is a scrum professor. I think he, I think he actually sleeps uh, in the crouch behind touch position. So. Um, he's you know sleeps the horizontal back and, and that's that's the way he is. But yeah, massive massive importance to us and scrum scrum and draw and line out drive are pretty important to our game as well. So he, he was he was a uh, yeah he certainly makes my job easier. Talk about that coaching thing and learning from the players when you've got players as you say uh, Ben May, Rakiti Stones, um, Gareth Evans with the with the Hurricanes. Um, you've got. Um, uh, guys down with the, the Highlanders, uh, obviously you've got Brad Weather, Allardyce, etc. up with the Chiefs. One of the strengths, I think, of, of New Zealand coaching is that you've got these players, any ideas you have, they'll take away and give away at Super Rugby. But also, every time they come back, they bring back all the other ideas. So an idea doesn't last more than a season before everyone knows it. So do, do you, have you found that to be a real sort of strength in your, in your coaching and learning, that you, they're bringing so many ideas in? Yeah, I think so. I think it's massive, and there's no secrets. Like if you think if you think you can hide and um, keep what you're doing to yourself, and no one's going to find out, uh, there's no chance. And but you just go onto YouTube, and you can find four million videos on all sorts of different things. Like there's no there's no secrets in in and amongst it. And um, yeah, so I think what you just got to do is understand that what you're doing and hang your hat on what you believe is right and you're working with your players to find the best the best methodology um, that you or game plan or whatever it is that you're coaching, whatever you're focusing on, and then backing yourselves and um, like we had this conversation the other day around how maybe we got away from that last year. Like Simsy and I have been real fundamental skills coaches. Right? And so we've backed our backed ourselves in terms of coaching skill. And then sometimes you're looking for things or little one-off moves or trick plays, and it can detract from getting getting to the fundamentals and and pursuing that excellence in whatever it is, passing, catch, and breakdown, carry, cleaning, whatever. And so, like we just had a conversation today on a on a Zoom meeting as coaching staff around, um, you know, basically that how we're going to do that better and how we're going to hold. And have greater accountability in that space, um, and so um, yeah, I think you can get caught trying to reinvent stuff and lose sight of of what's been successful for you and getting you here in the first place. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's no there's no secrets in the game. Well, the, the challenge, I think, the big challenge of that is actually knitting it all together because the the hurricanes defend a significantly different way than the Islanders defend than, than the Chiefs do. And as soon as you knit someone together there uh, and, and put them together in an offensive situation or a tagging situation, there's been six months or eight months of them learning a particular way they're going to react under pressure, and that's what they go to. Um, and we've had them for two and a half weeks, some of them less if they've been playing for the Maldives or or, or, or had a longer break. So there's a little bit of revert to type and getting what you – you know what you want to do through there is a bit of a balancing act. Um, so it, it's it can be quite difficult in that sense. Um, but yeah, it's it's certainly part of the um, you know the coaching and learning space that we've got to be able to say right, what's the best parts of that, and what can we uncoach or coach in that will stick in ten days. Um, so it's a, it's a challenge. How much can you work with your clubs to to have a common? defensive strategy across all your clubs, all your club players come in with the right one? Or, or, or again, do, they, do all your clubs have different defensive structures as well? well? Fundamentally, defensively, the game's changed as far as its contact height. Um, and so a lot of the big grapple and roll tackles and upstairs locking up balls just obsolete. Um, and so really ch- trying to get clubs to focus on a, on a lower tackle or a chop tackle or a grass tackle uh, it's actually quite a hard skill. Um, so as far as the system goes, I'm, I'm, I'm saying with all like fundamentally, if if I can make good good below hips tackles and chop and finish guys, um, you can run almost any system you want to run 
the key is actual tackle. And you'd be surprised on how many super rugby players don't understand how to tackle on one side, particularly, or, or don't tackle well head-on but do side-on. Um, and so getting them confident in that contact theory is probably you know, more important to anything than, a, than an actual particular system is because um, often they'll make mistakes or they'll hurt a system simply because they're not confident. So I've worked pretty hard in the last couple of years to say that we, we want to get our tackle height low and our contact height low and have people being safe with their heads down near those bony areas, um, which is, you know, I think a bit of a, a, a bit of a change in the game or certainly has been over the last 10 years anyway. Yeah, and I, th- I think the part of that too is with the clubs, guys, is like we've, we try and make ourselves or make ourselves available to any coach and any club that wants or any school that wants help. And I wouldn't enforce what we're doing on anybody. But if they wanted to come in and talk about it or for us to go and coach and share knowledge, we would share everything that we're doing at our level with anybody. And if they chose to adopt that or run with that, then great. If not, like I wouldn't go in and impose what we're trying to do and say you have to do this or do that. Um, but certainly we would certainly share share knowledge and information openly with, with all our clubs and schools. I know with our interview that we had with Jose Deformes, your, uh, your scrum coach, it's one thing that he mentioned quite frequently was the information sharing. In, in New Zealand rugby, I, I don't know if it's a if it's a good thing that we've shared all our information with the with the world guys, but um, it, it's certainly something that came through very very clearly. Just on on a lot of your younger players, like something I'm really excited about. I look at a lot of the minor ten cup squads, and just looking at your squad, it's probably fair to say I think you've got one of the younger squads around. You you mentioned all of those boys that came out of out of out of Hawks Bay, but are you surprised at some of these kids that for a few of them, there's only a couple of years out of school, but they seem to play way above their age? Um, Michael, Josh? Yeah, uh, look, I think um, that that certainly that, that group that came out of Hastings Boys was a unique, unique bunch. So in 20, uh, end of 2017, we signed six guys out of Hastings Boys to full provincial union contracts. So um, the likes of Falau and uh, Falau, Devon, Keanu, uh, Lincoln, Danny. Um, who, who am I missing? Josiah. Josiah Tavita Metcalf. So there's six. I don't know any other provincial union that's signed six kids on full provincial <laughs> union contracts. Well, that's um, at the start of 18 to know you've got 18-year-olds ready to go for Super Rugby and we need to just uh, – for- ITM Cup and you need dispensation for them to play, but uh, yeah, a little bit scary. Yeah, it was a, it was a little bit scary, but this is like coming back to it. Like if I think about some of the the games that Lincoln's played over the last couple of years, where he hasn't quite kicked well, or he's missed the line, or he's missed a a, a kick to touch, or um, a fairly handy conversion or penalty, and and the people have been supportive in the crowd by and large, because they see it's our boy, he's our kid, he's from here, like he will grow into something special and we back him. And like I've felt that um, doing that is the, the community has really supported our guys. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know that that would ever happen again. There's a pretty unique bunch of, of players that we're talking about. But, um, yeah, look, I, I, like what do you do? Do you not sign them and you lose them? You know, and they go and play for Waikato or Manu or wherever, and people go, well, why aren't they here? And so you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And so in that sense, in that time, I think, you know, we made the right call with those young guys, and um, it's, it's panned out pretty well, I think. And you, you by and large, they've all been successful. You must have thought you were going to bring them through a bit slow, though, because that's what, walking into 2015, sorry, 2019, your decision-making would have been, what, Weber... Uh, yeah. Falcon, McNichol yeah. would have been your, your, your 9, 10, 12, right? Yeah. Weber's with the All Blacks, Falcon's injured, yeah. McNichol's injured, and suddenly yeah. you've got um, Fakatava, uh, McClutchy, and Tuala, three 19-year-olds or 18-year-olds in your 9, 10, 12. That must have given you a bit of a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
number eight too. Yeah, um, yeah, and and you just have to back 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 them. Like there's no there's nowhere to go, and there's no more money. There's no one to bring in, um, and so you just you just got to back them and grow with them and cuddle them and accept the the mistakes that are going to come. And then there's moments of brilliance that come from these guys, and um, they're pretty exciting to watch. But it's the way they learn, and we've just talked about it. that's a learning moment, that's a learning experience. Like game management is one of the big ones. It's not skill or courage. It's game management and decision making. Um, and for Lincoln, there's been and for Lau driving because our nines and tens have got to drive the game and grow a voice and have an opinion. And the only way to do that is to do that. And so we're just lucky in a lot of lot of ways with the guys we had around them. Like if if, if it would have been different if there was no Ash Dixon and Ash Dixon is one of the most amazing leaders. Um, I've ever come across and his ability to tap into people and get them on the same page and you put him with Gareth and Ben May and you put those guys around them and the support that they felt that, it, that they could they could make a, a bad decision, a bad call and the guys yeah. would park it and they'd move on and back them to make the next one. Um you, yeah, it's, it's we're really fortunate with the whole dynamic of how that worked because it could have been a lot worse um, and it could have been a lot harder for them if they didn't have the right people around them. I, I still remember we played Tasman in 20, 2018, uh, last round robin game down there in the wet. And Devin Flanders played, I think it was his first start, um, and he played the house down. I think he made 19 tackles and 12 or 8 carries, but he went through a gap quite early on in the game, and he turned and looked around for support. He, he didn't want to go, he didn't wear the pass. He actually would have, if he'd actually tripped and fallen, he would have slid over and scored. It was that wet that night. Uh, and he got caught, and, he, and we didn't score. And ultimately, I think we got run down 20-odd to three or six or something in a, in a shitty night down there. But you contrast that with him getting the ball against Otago in the semi-final. And he never looked for anyone else. He was running over Michael Collins and going through Karoy, and it wasn't going to matter. It wasn't going to matter. Um, and so they've got to learn. People have to learn to back their talent. And the more opportunity we give them, the better they're going to be. And I said to Ozzo, we're in a bit of a perfect storm here if we get to play because some of these kids, and I say kids, they're young men now, but some of these guys, the best is really yet to come from them. And, and if we can tap in and we don't get injured and things go right, some of those boys are pretty phenomenal talents. Well, yeah, I mean, Flanders had a good a, a, a good season with the the, the Canes before before the season came to an end. So he's, yeah, he's been having a cracking cracking season. Uh, one of the things that um, the Game Line Analytics chat we had today, or that I broadcast today, was with um, Simon Strachan. He talks about connectivity between players. And when you've got Fakatava, McClutchy, um, Tuala, who've been playing together, plus the other guys, for what six years, seven years now. Um, they just know where each other's going to be. So as long as you get well, on the platform, which you... It looks like to us sometimes. It looks like... Yeah. Second I'm, glad. Hastings. Yeah, I'm glad they know, because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so as long as, and, and as long as you give them a platform, backs always look better with a, with a good platform from the, from the forwards. Yeah. Give them a solid platform. Um, just give them a little bit of time. And yeah, those guys will be... At least they'll be they'll be they'll be in sync with each other, other, which helps them a lot. Um, Mm. Even if their decision making isn't quite quite on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Stephen, I've I've gone and taken over for a bit. No, that's okay. That's all good. Listen, guys, they often say that wine gets better with age, (laughs) and having watched a lot of Hawks Bay's games last year, it was noticeable when he wasn't there. But Ash Dixon, he runs the best angles of any hooker I've seen in the country, because he, we all know he's not the biggest hooker around, mm-hmm. but his angles are fantastic, and I forget which game it was, it might have even might have been against been against Waikato or or Otago in the semi-final, where he made a breakout from his own tw- 22, but the amazing thing about it, I think it was in the about the 78th minute of the game, mm-hmm. who, who has that sort of pace yeah. at that age, serious, are you serious? We've got Keanu Kiriri Sain sitting on the bench, the New Zealand under-20s captain at hockey, um, and sometimes we can't get him on 
for, for Ace Dixon because what Ace brings us is just, his manner is just too huge um, to miss. Uh, and I can remember that. I think you're probably talking about Waikato. He got an overthrow against Waikato line out against Waikato. And he put the words, world's most horrific centering kick in um, and turned the ball over. And we had to go back defending again. But um, yeah, we, we're just, we, we're so lucky to have him. I can't think of another provincial union player as influential on a team as he would be. He's just phenomenal. And, and what he brings to our side is, is a, 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 immeasurable. Yeah. I mean, he is a leader of Start men. To wind down and... Yep. Oh, ab- ab- absolutely. He's. It was very noticeable watching a lot of the performances. I say, on the bottom, to... Steve, like at training. Sorry, just the just where he's at at thirty. He's done it all at thirty-one, and we'll have contact training, and he's in there, and he wants double reps and triple reps, and he'll come out with a, a bleeding ear and a blood nose, and he'll and he'll turn around and say, "Put your hand up if you haven't been in here." And like, but just uh, man, he leads and does and expects, and he's not afraid to do it himself. And um, man, he's been yeah, really great for us in terms of that whole leadership space. Yeah, there's, there's oh. something that does my my head in in rugby when people say to me, "Oh, there's a player, he's gone past his used by date." I often tell people that, yeah, but you're not there. You're not seeing what the coaches see at the training you're not seeing what the you know the, the older guy might bring to the table especially with the young ones and we know how important experience is like i say guys we are running down on a time but i just want to maybe touch on and paul as well about the the mitre 10 cup in, in its form at the moment obviously covid's playing its 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 part and we can't wait to see code back on the on the paddock in a, in a perfect world What's a, what's a perfect world for you? I'd personally like to see the Mighty 10 Cup stay, regardless of what they're saying at uh, head office in, in Wellington. Just your own thoughts, Mark? Yeah. Yep. For for this year and beyond, um, the Mighty 10 Cup uh, holds a special place, um, you know, in the fabric of New Zealand society and rugby. So um, moving forward, I hope it's got a place. And then certainly this year, even if it's a later start and we can run the competition, whatever that looks like, um, you know, I, I just hope it gets off the ground and we can we can play footy and give the the local provincial people, whatever their team and their province is, um, you know, something they can watch on TV at the the very least and get interested in. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure what would happen to New Zealand rugby if provincial rugby wasn't there. And Josh, you'd probably agree with Mark as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a rugby romantic, so I grew up. Provincial rugby was 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 everything, you know. I got blue and white Auckland rugby uh, photos all over the wall at home, you know, the 1970s teams that my father played for, and I, you know, I can't see it functioning. I can't see New Zealand rugby's model functioning without without the Team Cup, without provincial rugby. Um, and, and, and to be fair, and the same thing, I know that Super Rugby is, is very important revenue uh, uh, gainer for New Zealand rugby. It's also the place that we get our All Black trialists from, basically. Those, those, those heavy New Zealand derbies are incredible um, as far as their physicality and really finding out who can play at that next level. So there's a place for all of it. And, and I guess the difficulty is finance um, and the difficulty is funding the game because we still need to fund... Um, the non-professional game, and we still need to fund the growth of the game, schools, and so you know it's it's an incredibly difficult thing. But this year, you know, with with COVID and, and everything else going on, it really does just show us how much we do love the game. And and I think if anything, we come out of the back end of this, we might you know chuck some support back into our provinces because um, we've probably missed them, and and hopefully we get that kick that but we need for both to continue to survive. In, in, a, in a tough financial environment. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Well, two of our real promising uh, coaches out of uh, Mighty Team Cup, uh, Josh Simes and Mark Ozich, I thank you so, so much for your uh, time, guys. Now, look out for this interview on New Zealand Sports Radio, but also look out on New Zealand iHeart Radio when you're out walking or running. You can listen in, and uh, if you do see uh, this uh, coverage, you'd be very proud 
down in the Hawks Bay. Once again, thank you very much, fellas. Thank you, Paul, for pushing all the buttons this evening. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.